well, hey, this is Eric. I'm one of the ministers at Regency. I just wanted to thank you for checking out this message. We're praying that God uses this message to draw your heart closer to Him. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we want to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. If you'd like to find out more information about Regency or to check out some other resources, visit our website at regencycc.org. So in March of last year, South African photographer Rainer Shrimp was diving off the coast of South Africa near Port Elizabeth Harbor. And out of nowhere, he finds himself caught in the mouth of a whale, a 15-ton whale. What would you do? What would you do if you found yourself in the mouth of a whale? Well, Rainer told himself in that moment to remain calm. That's incredible. There's many things that I would do in that moment. The one thing I probably would not do is remain calm. And he knew in that moment he needed to remain calm because there was no way this whale was going to swallow him. He knew that the throat of a whale was not big enough to swallow a human being. Personally, I didn't know that. And so he, his greatest concern was actually that the whale would dive down deep and would carry him down with him. And so he remains calm. And after only a few seconds, what probably seemed like an eternity, but in reality only a couple of seconds, the whale let him go. And just a few minutes later, he was back to diving. That might be the craziest part of the story. Now that is a whale of a story. You know, we're starting this new series today uh, on the book of Jonah. Why? Why are we studying the book of Jonah? Well, I believe that there is so much about the life of Jonah and his story that connects with us. Many of the things that we're dealing with today, some of the struggles that we're dealing with in our country, in our state, and in our city today absolutely connect to the life of Jonah. Now, for a lot of people, the story of Jonah is a hard story to swallow because it's the story of a man that is swallowed by a great fish. But really the problem with the story of Jonah isn't about the great fish. The problem that many of us have is with this great God. You see, the, the person who wrote the book of Jonah doesn't want us to ask ourselves, can a man be swallowed by a fish? He wants us to ask ourselves, can a person be swallowed by the passion and the mission and the purpose of God? The, the writer of the book of Jonah wants us to ask the question, why would a man say no when God says go? And so when you open up to the book of Jonah, it reads like a real story. It says in verse 1 that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. So it opens up telling us that this story is a story about a real person. You know who he is. He's the son of Amittai. Now you and I might not know who that is, but many of the original readers of the book of Jonah would know who this person is. Jonah was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. And Jonah is going to be called by God to go speak to a real group of people. He's called to go speak to the city of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrian Empire is a very cruel empire. In fact, that's what they were known for. Uh, in the book of Nahum, Nahum is going to prophesy against the Assyrian Empire, and here's what he's going to say. 
Woe to the city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. All who see you will flee from you and say, Nineveh is in ruins. Who will mourn for her? Where can I find anyone to comfort you? Now, what's really fascinating about the story of Jonah is that Jesus actually believed that the story of Jonah was a true story. Jesus quotes from a lot of different scripture, but Jesus only compares himself to one person in the Old Testament. Can you guess who that is? It's Jonah. You see in Matthew chapter 12 and verses 38 through 41, here's what Jesus says. It says, some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And Jesus answered, a wicked and an adulterous generation ask for a sign, but none will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. He goes on to say, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. You see, what Jesus did is Jesus tied the reality of his resurrection to the validity of the story of Jonah. And so as we read through this story, as we walk through the life of Jonah over the next several weeks, I hope that you understand that this scene, that this story points directly to Jesus, that Jesus believed this is a true story. And so for you and I, we must ask ourselves, can things happen in history that supersede the laws of nature? Absolutely. We know that that's the case. And so the the problem, you don't have a problem with a great fish if you believe in a great God. The book of Genesis opens, the Bible begins understanding that God superseded the laws of nature as he created the universe and everything that we experience. But that's kind of beside the point. The fish in the story is simply a small part of the story. It's the one thing we all think about that if we were to go through a little Bible quiz and I were to ask you to, to answer the question or fill in the blank, Adam and Eve, you could probably fill in that blank. Uh, you know, maybe say Noah and the ark, you would have filled in the blank there. If I had said Jonah and the, you probably would have said fish or whale. But the, the fish is only mentioned in three verses. The real focus of this story is not the fish. The real focus of this story is God. God is mentioned 39 times in these four short chapters. And so this story is not about a man who is escaping a fish. This is the story of a man who is running away from his God. Jonah knows that you cannot run from the presence of the Lord. Jonah has read the Psalms. He's grown up understanding Psalm 139 specifically that says, where can I go from your presence? Where can I get away from your spirit? The, the idea is there is nowhere that you can run to be outside of the presence of God. And so Jonah is not necessarily running from the presence of God. He's actually running from the purpose of God. And so in Jonah 1, starting in verse 2, here's what we read. Go to that great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Jonah actually, after being told to go to Nineveh, turns and goes the opposite direction. He's headed completely away from God, from what God wants him to do. 
Are you on the run from God? Is it possible that your life is running away from the presence and goodness of God? Have you been resistant to the love of God in your life? Maybe you wouldn't classify yourself as a follower of Jesus. Maybe you struggle to believe in God and to believe in a good God because your life has been everything but good. I just want you to understand this today. God is for you. He is pursuing you. God loves you and he wants you to come back to him and he will never stop pursuing you. Now, Jonah is struggling because he thinks God is wrong. He turns and runs the opposite direction, not because he doesn't love God, but actually because he thinks God is wrong. And what God is about to do, Jonah believes is 100% wrong. And this is why I believe the book of Jonah applies so much to us today. God calls him to go to preach to Nineveh, but Jonah believes that the people of Nineveh deserve to be destroyed. He believes that they deserve everything that's coming to them. He wants them to be punished, but he knows that by going and preaching to them, that it means God does not want them to be punished. You see, Jonah knows that by preaching against Nineveh, it means that God is for Nineveh. And he knows what's going to happen. You can see at the end of the story of Jonah where Jonah is incredibly frustrated that Nineveh has repented. And he actually tells God, God, I knew this would happen. I knew these people were going to repent. He hates them. His heart is filled with hatred towards a group of people. He hates this wicked and vile nation because of what they stand for, because of what they do on a regular basis. And Jonah believes that they deserve to be punished. Our nation right now is so divided. It's very polarized right now. There is extremism everywhere. There is so much hatred and violence. And I believe as we read the story of Jonah, it exposes things about us. It exposes things about you and about me, about certain feelings that we have towards certain groups of people, about certain emotions that have been stirred up within us because of the recent events within our world. And that we're being asked the same question that Jonah is being challenged with. Not, do you believe that a person can be swallowed by a fish, but can you be swallowed by the passion and purpose and mission of God? Will you go when God says go, or will you say no when God says go? And so I believe the story of Jonah, specifically this first chapter, causes us and prompts us to ask a couple of questions about ourselves. Questions that only you can answer about you and only I can answer about me. Questions where we must search deep within our hearts. The first one is this. Does an outwardly religious yet inwardly rebellious spirit live within me? Does an outwardly religious yet inwardly rebellious spirit live within you? See, we can convince ourselves that we are obedient and faithful to God because we simply go through a checklist of behaviors. I went to church today or I engaged in online worship today. Check. Uh, I sang a couple of the songs. Check. I stayed awake during the sermon. Check. I took the bread and drank the juice in communion. Check. I gave. To the church. I even helped 
the homeless person that I ran into earlier this week. Check. And then we also fill it in with the things that we don't do. I don't do this and I don't do this and I stay away from this and I've never done this. Check, 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 check. And sometimes we can convince ourselves that our outwardly religious behaviors are are doing more for us than maybe they really are. Yet sometimes we can ignore an inwardly rebellious spirit. Because sometimes the mission of God is just simply hard to swallow. That there are things that God calls us to do that either we don't want to do or don't agree with. And more than we realize, we pick and choose part of, parts of God's agenda that we will swallow and parts that we won't. And so we must admit, I am Jonah and you are too. In our finances, have there been times where you have picked and choosed where you will follow God's mission and purpose for your life and in areas that you won't? Are there uh, times where you have refused to forgive someone else? Because they have absolutely done you wrong and you feel entitled to hold on to that, yet you know that God is calling you to forgive. Is there some secret addiction that you're refusing to deal with and to get help for? That you either think, I'll deal with it later or I'll just keep it a secret, it's no big deal. Yet you're picking and choosing that part of God's purpose for your life that you're not fully surrendering to Him. Outwardly, you're very religious, yet inwardly, there's a part of your life that is incredibly rebellious. I am Jonah, and you are too. And the sad reality is that when this happens, our choices and our decisions, much like Jonah's, will affect other people. You see, because Jonah decided to run away from the mission and purpose of God, it didn't just affect him. It affected a group of innocent men. They were very religious men. They get on this boat and Jonah is going to sail with them to the opposite side of the world that he knows. And it's not long before they're out on the sea that this storm comes up and it's a terrible storm. Jonah is down underneath the, the boat either sleeping or passed out because he's scared to death. And these men start bailing their cargo. Can you imagine throwing away your product, throwing away part of your business? It's absolutely affecting them Jonah's decisions are affecting them. And they're bailing stuff over the sides and they're bailing water. And they finally decide to cast lots. Who's the cause for this struggle? And they find out it's Jonah. And so they wake him up and say, what is going on? And he said, well, all this, it's my fault. It's because of me. You see, I serve the God of Israel. And I ran away. And you're just going to have to throw me overboard. And they're like, we're not throwing you overboard. We're not going to be guilty for your death. And so they start to paddle and row even harder and to no avail. So finally, they actually pray, please forgive us for this man's blood. And so they throw him overboard and the sea becomes calm. You see, these men lost a lot of their cargo. They lost a lot of time on their journey. Their boat took a beating. Why? Because of Jonah's decisions. Sometimes it's easy to recognize what poor decisions has cost you. And I can look at it and see what my poor decisions have cost me. But what have they cost others? That's often the cost we don't consider. So, does an outwardly religious yet inwardly rebellious spirit live within you? But the second question that we're called to ask as we are reading through this story is, who is your Nineveh? You see, we serve a God this is so incredible. 
We serve a God who runs toward his enemies. In Romans 5 and verse 8, it says, But God showed his love toward us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Later in the chapter, it's going to go on to say that while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. Enemies, sinners, people who have offended God. If anyone deserves to be punished, it's you and I. It's every one of us because we are an enemy of God, because we have turned our back on him. We have said, God, I don't want to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. I think I know what's best for me. And we have become his enemies, yet God still runs toward us. And we're called to do the same. We're called to run towards those that we want to run away from. At some point, the Holy Spirit is going to tell you, go. Go to that person. Go to that person that you vehemently disagree with, that person that you don't get along with. Will you go or will you say no? And in that moment, we must ask ourselves and remind ourselves, does God love them? I know God loves me, but does God love them? Here's just a couple of reminders. God loves Democrats and Republicans. He even loves libertarians and socialists. God loves your pot-smoking neighbor. God loves atheists and agnostics. God loves homosexuals. God loves Muslims. God loves Buddhists. God even loves terrorists. God loves the most vile and wicked people. And you know what's also incredible? God loves you. See, it's easy to cast on to other people what we should be casting on to ourselves. My sin is vile and wicked and has made me an enemy of God. Your sin is vile and wicked and it's made you an enemy of God. And I, when I want to cast on to other people what I think is so wrong about them, I need to remember, remember how God has dealt with me and what is so wrong about me. And with that understanding, maybe we can begin to run towards our enemies. Will you love those who your heart says are unlovable? Will you love those who think differently than you? Those who live differently than you? Those who vote differently than you? Those who protest differently than you? Those who support movements that you don't agree with? Those who kneel when you think you should stand. Those who stand when you think they should kneel. How will you handle those? How will you show love to those that your heart says you should run away from? You can be like Jonah and you can avoid your enemies. Or you can have the heart of your heavenly father who actually runs toward his enemies. Who is for the good of his enemies. God is determined to relentlessly pursue rebels because he will not take no for an answer. And you might think that reading through this story that God is actually pursuing Nineveh. He's not just pursuing Nineveh. God is actually pursuing Jonah too. God doesn't need Jonah to go to Nineveh in order for Nineveh to repent. Jonah needs God. So do you and so do I. God is pursuing you. He's after your heart. He's after your emotions. 
He's after your actions. He's after your outward actions. But even more so, he's after your inward obedience. And so you can run, but God won't stop running after you. You can leave, but God will never leave you alone. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you never stop pursuing us. Even when our hearts are maybe outwardly religious yet inwardly rebellious. Father, even when you tell us to go and we simply say, no, thank you for constantly pursuing us. Father, help us to understand and to ask ourselves, who is my Nineveh? Who have you called me to go to that I am trying to avoid? That my heart is resistant uh, to love. Father, use the life of Jonah. Use this message to change each of us into the people you've called us to be. In Jesus we pray. Amen.